to the Gym Podcast. Uncut, unfiltered, unreal. Welcome everyone to the Gym Podcast. Welcome, welcome. I'm your host, Jimbo Fisher, and joining me this week, as always, is the one, the only, Randy Darsh. Hello everybody. Uh, welcome to the Gym Podcast this week. We had another eventful week. Um, and a lot of games to talk about. We're going to start with, we're just going to go right into it. Go we're going to start with uh, two and four Stanford 46 at now four and three Colorado 43. I really just, I wanted to talk about this, but I almost don't know what to say. So <laughs> the question is this, Okay. where does this rank on all time embarrassing collapses? I mean, like, the, like, so like, the thing is, right? Like, there are collapses on bigger stages, right? Like, yeah, I think of like the Super Bowl when like the the, the Falcons blew a twenty eight three lead, right? It's the Super Bowl. That's that's a big deal. This was a pretty irrelevant game. So, like, all time, we're probably not going to remember this thing. But this season, yeah, this is the biggest collapse of the year. I was going to say, I'm trying to like really, it's, it's funny, and as funny, fun as it is to like kind of clown on Deion Sanders and everything, we have to remember we were all predicting them to be a two and three win team. So for them to be four and three in the first place is Not kind me. of impressive. I want to reel it back. I'm pretty sure I predicted, I thought you did too, that they'd be like a seven and five team this year. Like No, good. we it was worse than that. We were making fun of them in the first ever episode I'm of the gonna, podcast this season where we said two or three wins. You can reel it back. No, no, I'm going to look this, I'm going to look back. But I've never been like so. Here's the thing with Colorado, right? At this point, like it's it's in style to clown on them. I feel like the media hype has has finally now died down, right? Like I, I feel like we're not really getting any Dion ads. Is that fair to say? I mean, other than that, black commercial. But, well, you yeah, know. of course. Well, you but love those. getting that. You love those. So, but I mean, make no mistake. I love clowning on Oregon. All right, not Oregon on Colorado. We'll get to Oregon. But I love clowning on Colorado. As much as the next guy. Um, so this this definitely is the collapse of the year so far. Um, all time, though, as far as CFB goes, like, this is just, like, a, a different question. But, like, what would you say is, like, the biggest collapse in college football history? Or at least in, like, our, our lifetime. The biggest collapse that I can remember is, do you remember that Texas A&M game where they were up by five touchdowns yes. on UCLA and Josh yes. Rosen came back? I just feel like that's a little bit more embarrassing I don't know why. It's just like whenever Texas A&M collapse, it's just yeah. funny. I don't know why. It's just a vibe. It's, it's just funnier. It's hilarious because it's Jimbo and they're extremely talented and have no business collapsing. Whereas a team like Colorado, it's like Colorado versus Stanford. It's just uh, they're both kind of mediocre. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and I remember there was the uh, Oregon versus TCU bowl game a few years ago. Bowl games are yeah. notorious for this sort of yeah. thing, where it was 31-0 to zero at halftime, and then TCU ended up winning. I remember that. Dude, that I was remember a good that. One. I was at an Applebee's in Green Bay when that game was going down. An Applebee's in Green Bay. And I remember That what, sounds like the, the spot. It was I just, it was a weird thing. I just I don't know why, but I ended up there with some like really old high school friends. And that I haven't seen since, now that I think about it. And that, that game was on in the background. So, that game was the catalyst to end your friendship, I guess. It was. Um, speaking of Oregon, we could recap probably one of the biggest games of the year. There was 6-0, number 7 Washington, 36, versus now 5-1, Oregon, 33. Will we see a rematch of this game in the PAC championship game, considering they both play USC? And with that you know, being said, does this game really even matter in the big picture of the season? I think so. Well, I, I mean, in the sense of... You know, like, I, I, to answer the first question, I think there will be a rematch. I think with USC losing, and not only that, USC looking bad against Notre Dame, I think it's pretty clear that both Oregon and Washington are the two best teams in the pack. And so just re realistically, they'll probably both win out from here, right? They'll probably both replay each other in the Pac-12 championship. At which point, I mean, if Washington wins, then yeah, I mean, they're going in. But if Oregon wins, I mean... It, it is kind of questionable. Does a one-loss Oregon make, you know, the playoffs? I think so, but it depends on how other conferences are doing, right? If there's if there's five undefeated Power Five champions, right, someone's getting left out, ultimately. I feel like I worded that question pretty badly. I still think at this point, Oregon technically still controls their own destiny, and they can learn from this game and really kind of, like... They can learn from this game and, and expand on it because they did some good things. You have to remember, Oregon actually really outplayed Washington. They had over, a, they had 150 more total yards. 
They had one less turnover, and by one less, I mean Oregon had zero turnovers and Washington had one. They had seven more first downs. They had 10 more minutes in time of possession. Oregon really outplayed them. It was just those three fourth down missed conversions. Missing all, if they had made one of those, they win the game. So they just need to make one of them. I couldn't watch the game. Because it was on at the same time as the Badger game that I was at. I know, I know. That's why I tried to make sure to watch as much as I could. I knew already. <laughs> I had the so ESPN. Had, my dad showed me this. He, you can do, you can watch four games at a time on YouTube TV, and it's yep. great because you can kind of flip between which sound you want, and it was great for being able to kind of keep up a little better. Yeah, I actually really like that. I use it all the time. Um, yeah, it's it's great. <laughs> And I was going to make a point about these fourth down conversions that they always try. There was one at one point. They don't. They're never strategic about it. They're just like fourth and three. I believe in our guys. Let's do it without <laughs> yeah. realizing they're like you don't need to take that risk. A good example. My dad brought this up where it was at the end of the half, mm -hmm. and they were going for I think they were on the one or two yard line, something crazy like that, in a short fourth down. Sure. And my dad's like, just take the points in a tight game, like. Yeah. The point of going for that fourth down on the goal line is that if you happen to not get it, the field is completely flipped and you can take advantage of that great field position. Right, right. Because they're not going to really be able to do anything offense. It's like the Oregon coach, Dan Lanning, isn't taking that sort of thing into account and is just being too aggressive. I saw the stats where, like, he's actually lost Oregon some other games just being way too aggressive. Yeah. And he's going to have to learn to kind of reel I'll, that in a little I'll bit. I'll say this. This is kind of tangential. I was actually thinking about this, like, in the shower the other day. Have you noticed that Oregon, despite having like several different coaches over the last decade, I feel like Oregon is like always the team. Like it's part of their identity to be the team that always goes for two after their first touchdown. They always go for two to, to try and make it eight to nothing as opposed to seven to nothing. Have you noticed this? It is them. It's 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 a Nike logo, the Nike motto, man. But, Just but that's do like, it. It's transcended different. Like Chip Kelly did this, <laughs> right? Like back in the day, and they, now like Dan Landing's doing it, right? I remember checking in on the scores on my on my phone during the Badger game, and like it was like at one point it was Oregon eight, Washington seven. I'm like, yep, that's Oregon right there. That's that's how they do it, I guess. It is how they do it. Um... Another game I'm, I'm really excited to talk about that's also <laughs> going to very much affect the Pac-12 lookout is 6-2, and two, number 21, Notre Dame, 48, beating now 6-1, and one, USC, 20. Has there ever been a more expected, obvious upset in the history of the sport? <sighs> nah, and I, I think the beauty of it, there's something neat about college football where I feel like the fans are smart enough to where, like, everyone saw this coming. Like, no one, no actual fan was surprised. You know what I, mean? I still love the meme we kept getting, we kept seeing during the game where it was one of those. You know how when your phone rings and it says potential fraud alert, yeah. somebody somebody uh, edited in the USC logo to that. I thought that was one. pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, here's the thing: Marcus Freeman is a really good coach. It's really tough for some of these year two coaches because like you're expected to make this jump, this big jump in year two, right? right. And it's not always that automatic. They do look better than last year, but ultimately they didn't. He didn't make this giant leap where he's now a CFP contender, right? And that's that's fine. I really think he's going to pan out as a coach. You just kind of have to give him time and let him kind of implement his system because he is different than Brian Kelly. And I, I want to reiterate. I mean, they were one play away from beating Ohio State. You know, like they're fine. They'll be fine. And keeping it with the Pac-12, they got a, a lot of action this weekend. We had. Six and one, number fifteen Oregon State thirty six versus now four and two UCLA twenty four. Has Chip Kelly hit his ceiling at UCLA? We know he hates recruiting and he wants to be a quasi NFL coach in college. Yeah, you know, like honestly, he, he might have. Um, I really thought if there was ever going to be a year, it'd be this one, just because their defense is so good, and you know, you need a good defense to win these games, but. Man, letting up 36 points to Oregon State ain't going to win you very far. I mean, they're eliminated from the playoffs now. Probably not going to be the Pac-12 championship. I, I think this is a ceiling, which is, you know, they could be a good team. They could be a 9-3, and you know, decent bowl game kind of team, finishing ranked kind of team. But I, I don't think they're going to be a playoff contender. Even in the 12-team format, I don't know if they could be a playoff contender. Are they going to be in the uh, notorious Big Ten West? I think, they're good. I think they might be, dude. I mean, the Big Ten West West, if, if you know what I'm saying. Um, yeah, compared to like USC, Washington, Oregon, of, of the four teams entering the Big Ten, I don't think UCLA is in any good position to be like, 
you know, a powerhouse anytime soon. Even with Chip Kelly, I just I don't think they're going to adapt uh, very well to the Big Ten. That's the thing. If, is if a Chip Kelly will put in a little bit of effort into recruiting, UCLA could be a powerhouse. I don't know why he just kind of refuses. So I mean, with USC being now as good as they are, it's just. It's frustrating. I would be frustrated if I were a UCLA fan. But it's got to be so easy to recruit at UCLA. Like, I, they have to be, like, the top top ten easiest schools to recruit at. I mean, USC recruits really well. They have no problem, right? It's it's LA, dude. And, like, now they're in the Big Ten. Like, it's it's such an easy sell, you know, to, t- to all these guys coming in. But he just doesn't like doing it, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. And with this win, I mean, is Oregon State a legitimate Cinderella Ah, they'll they could be like a New York Six Cinderella. I I, I don't buy that they're actually going to win the Pac-12. I certainly at the playoffs. Um, I'm a hater, but I I, I feel like the jury's still out. And, and man, they still got to face Oregon, right? I I don't think they're going to finish the season with just one loss. They too technically control their own destiny. They still have to play Arizona, Colorado, Washington, and Oregon, which are going to be four very tough games. Washington, that's that's another loss probably. So I don't know. Like they're a good story this year, but. Yeah, probably just destined to a decent bowl game, I'd say, at this point. So, we'll move on to the SEC now, the good old SEC. 5-1, and one, number 19, Tennessee, 20, versus now 4-3, and three, Texas A&M. Wait, who won the game? What was the score? What did Texas A&M Tennessee, Tennessee, 20, Texas A&M, 13. Oh, okay. I couldn't watch this one either. How was it? Just, just how bad did A&M look? I want to know. Um, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like... It's weird how watching Texas A&M is similar to what it feels like if you watch the New England Patriots this year, where it's like their quarterback will technically make some great third down throws, but it's just so discombobulated on offense otherwise. And there's just no like, despite having some talent, there's no like team cohesion. It's weird to explain. They can't quite put it together because, again, I don't think A&M is some horrible team i mean four and three isn't some horrible record right we just talked up a four and three colorado um it's just there's no excuse for this to be happening it's like i don't know what what, yeah by now he's had to he's had so much time to figure it out that's what i'm saying you can't be saying trust the process bro it's year seven like (laughs) when when does the process pay off a little bit (laughs) i'm just wondering like do you think this is the year where they get rid of Jimbo, or do you think they're going to give him another year, especially considering there's an expanded playoffs yeah, next year, starting next year? That's kind of the thing. Like, the dynamic in general is going to change so much next year, right? Like, the SEC is expanding. I, I think the way we evaluate wins and losses is going to change. I mean, realistically, like a 9-3 and season in the SEC or the Big Ten is going to feel different than it does this year. Right when AM's playing Texas and OU now instead of just Vanderbilt and I don't know Missouri, like I'm, you know, you know what I mean, like. But the thing well, they don't play that many. Anyway. Like you have to remember Texas A&M. You have to give them a little bit of credit. They do play in the toughest division they, in football. They do, like, but they play Alabama, LSU, Auburn, Ole Miss every year. I, it's, I acknowledge it's that. just tough. But I think like the general consensus still is that like four and three is four and three, right? Like even even though we know like they're better than their record probably, right? And if they were in the Big Ten West, yeah, they'd probably be undefeated right now. <laughs> but 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 still, like you got to get it done, right? You still got to win. Like that's the league you're in. You need to compete in that league, right? I think they don't fire them this year. I think they give them one more shot next year, just to see how it pans out in the new era. Uh, but yeah, no, I think I think with with A and M and Jimbo, like I think one more year, just because like it is a new era coming up, right? And I think perception of losses is going to change a little bit. And the buyout's insane. The buyout's still what like eighty million dollars, something like that. Exactly. Maybe, um, maybe they're waiting for a scale. I think it's like 60-something million. It's just, you can't just... I understand that we act like we have on these top programs have unlimited money, but they really don't. I think they really should value a little bit of stability as things kind of change. Yeah. Because exactly. you just need to stay relevant long enough for the dust to settle. Right. You right. want to be a little bit more on top. Not necessarily on top, but you don't want to be not at the bottom when the dust settles. It's going to sound me. crazy. Like, I hate to, like, you know, go on the Jimbo segment too much, but, like, Jimbo is is enough of, like, a character and enough of, like, a personality to kind of keep them relevant in a way that if they just, like, hired some random, like, G5 coach, like, just some, like, kind of, like, not, not a big media guy, you know, not a big personality, you know, or just, like, a random assistant coach from somewhere else, a no-namer, A&M would be a little bit less relevant, you know, like there's still kind of that, there's like that just smallest fraction of a charm 
the Jimbo Fisher. I know what you mean because even now, before Jimbo, we really never talked about them. Yeah. Like to yeah. be honest, they weren't talked about or thought about this much. That's just the reality when they have Kevin Sumlin. It's just because he's won a national title, and like there's like three head coaches in all of football who have won a national title. Like there might be more than that. And this kind of thing but, very much matters. Like yeah, yeah, it, like it's it's everything really in a sense. It, it shouldn't be everything, but it is. And because he won a title ten years ago. There's that allure. He might do it again. He's not going to, but he might. I mean, if he gets another generational quarterback, he will. I, I guess just get, yeah, like a future NFL starter for a decade. That's easy. Well, it, it's easy for Alabama. Very easy. But it's it's hard for other teams. I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we have some miscellaneous segments. Um, so Steve actually wanted to include, because we were talking about James Madison. You were. Uh, last week, we didn't know what the real deal with was with them. Is with them as an undefeated group of five team. We didn't know if they were technically eligible because they just moved up from the FCS right. and there's a probationary period. And with them beating the brakes off Georgia Southern forty-one to thirteen last week, I wanted to bring them up again. And he said, "So here's Saxo Steve basically looked into the rule and let us know this information and gave us the full story." So they can only make a bowl if there aren't enough six-win teams. They're going to slot in after any six and seven teams like Hawaii if they get there and before any five and seven teams. So they might get into a bowl. So now I kind of wonder, like, what if there's not enough teams? Would they slot into a New York six bowl? Like, Dude, I was wondering that too. Because, like, technically, <laughs> like, honestly, like, I mean, like, if they're going to make a bowl game, it would probably be a good one. Like, if they're legitimately 12-0 and, like, win their conference, right? Like, they're going to be a top-10 team, probably. That's that's New York. Like, New York 6 requires, like, a G5, um, you know, a- opponent to be in there. They would be the pick. So, yeah, I, I got a feeling the NCAA is going to do a terrible job handling this regardless. Like, oh, I, yeah. that's the only thing that's certain is, like, the JMU will probably get shafted in, in some way. <laughs> I'm positive of that. I don't know how, though. Oh, yeah. But. All right, so we're gonna also move on to their. This was their Super Bowl award. Are you are you excited? I'm. Yeah, let's just do it. Let's just do it. Okay, my this was their Super Bowl award goes to Iowa. I was gonna pick that. God dang it! Oh, I was gonna pick that. Right hey, now. listen. All it took for a 25th year head coach to be the first year head coach no, it's not was a bunch that. of random, a bunch of random, you know, field goals, penalties. <sighs> No. And a messy game I need, to barely okay, beat. I am taking this podcast. I don't know why no one's talking about this, and I I know this is going to sound like copium, but like honest to God, it, it has to be said. If there was ever an excuse for losing a football game, your quarterback breaking his hand in the first quarter has to be up there. It it has to be very high on the list of legitimate excuses for losing a football game. Okay, the very first drive against Iowa when we got the ball, we got the ball at the five yard line. We drove like 80 yards effortlessly. Tanner Mordecai was making great passes. We had like a great like 30-yard conversion, a beautiful pass down the sideline. Okay. We got stuffed on fourth down. I'll concede. We got stuffed like the 20. Should have kicked the field goal. I concede. We, we came away with zero points. But the following drive, Tanner Mordecai broke his hand. And our offense sucked the rest of the game. No, it's like, definitely a very legitimate. Like, it's a legitimate. Yeah. It's a legitimate reason to lose a game. Oh. I mean, as unfortunate as it is, it, it is a legitimate. It's legitimate. Um, it's just Iowa. I hate how fraudulent Iowa Dude. is. It legitimately bothers me how they just are not that good, but then get all of this credit for being six and one. Yeah, yeah. And it's like let's let's just look at their upcoming so tough soft. schedule in the so Big Ten: Minnesota, Northwestern, Rutgers. Illinois, Nebraska. Is, even, Four of those are home games for them. Even by Big Ten West standards, their schedule is terrible because their out-of-conference opponent every year is Iowa State, right? They're never going to play a, a legitimate P5 opponent. All offense to Iowa State, by the way. 100% offense. They're a terrible team every year. Um, and, and, like, yeah, like, in the Big Ten West, right, there's the possibility you could schedule against Michigan or Ohio State or Penn State. This year they, they don't scheduled, play Ohio State or Michigan. They, they played Penn State, and what happened? They lost 31 to nothing. They got destroyed, right? I'll say this with Iowa, okay? I, I get that they put up 15 points on us, right? Two of them are from a safety. But their offense, I, I, I want you to believe the hype, man. Their, the Iowa offense is as bad as advertised. It was, it was genuinely the most boring, predictable, 
bland offense ever. And not only that, it's it's one thing to be predictable, you know, like, oh, they're going to run every play, right? But, like, do it well, like Michigan or something. Iowa didn't even do that well. Like, they would maybe get two yards, three yards on these runs up the gut, right? But all they needed was, like, one or two first downs, and then they'd kick a field goal. And that was their entire offensive game plan. I'm dead serious when I say I don't know if they made a single pass completion in the entire second half of that game. It was it was extremely bad. You'd be you'd be fuming, Randy, if you saw this. Come I did notice it. that not a single touchdown was scored in the entire second half for either team. It was rough. Um, it was rough. Just field goals and a safety and yeah. uh, It was it was a bad game. I'll say this. What? I, I one more thing. I just wanted to say. There were a lot of Iowa fans, sadly, in in the stadium. I was hearing, I poop you not, uh, fire Brian chants in Camp Randall. The Iowa (laughs) fans were chanting that in Camp Randall. Should give you an idea. Should give you an idea. What do you think Iowa's record would be if they played in... And play it in like the Big Ten East. We'll say the Big Ten East or like the SEC West well, or even like a right. normal division like the Pac 12 North or something. Big Ten East well, that's, is an easy one because like they would have the guaranteed loss every single year of Ohio State, Penn State, uh, Michigan, right? Um, but, but beyond that, I mean, like I said, they have a free P5 win every year against Iowa State. If they played an okay team, they'd lose, right? It's, it's just a matter of the Big Ten West being so thin on talent and just so in rebuild mode for so many of these teams, right? That they just take advantage of it, dude. They take advantage by just letting teams beat themselves. You know what I mean? Uh, and it, uh, it sickens me, dog. I, I hate Iowa so much. And I hate that Reddit loves it, them. It, it bothers me because it's like they're not even, they don't even want to be good. No, they don't. Like, they don't. Oh my God. Okay, I'm getting riled up now. <laughs> they don't even want to be good. They're like perfectly content with just yes. being that team that beats on, beats on, you know, teams that are rebuilding and struggling yeah. by just simply not throwing the game away. And it's like, uh, have some God. have some dignity to try. And this is the thing, dude. With the Big Ten changing, right, we're scrapping divisions. We're bringing in, like, four legitimate teams, right? These are, these are like, Iowa will never, ever, 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 quote me on this, ever in my life, Iowa will never beat Oregon. Iowa will never, never beat Washington or USC or probably even UCLA. They will never, ever beat them. Okay, and they know this. Okay, so and really, they really are blowing a golden opportunity. Uh, really, the past decade, yes. the past past decade has been a golden opportunity for Iowa to like bring in a better offense, bring in bring in a great OC, really yeah. try to get some air raid concepts going, mm-hmm. and try to like make a push Just because try. they would have a legitimate shot for the right. past decade every year. Right, right, right. But 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 I'm saying is like they've been able to get away with it, right? But like what the this is copium. I get it. I get it. We just we just got beat, but. I think a team like Wisconsin, and I'll even throw them in because I hate them, Nebraska, a team like Nebraska, both Wisconsin and Nebraska are positioned in a way where it's like, we're going to try to win in a competitive Big Ten or die trying, right? Like, we're going to take the risks we need and, like, you know, throw out the playbook and try something new, even if it means there are going to be growing pains, even if it means we might fail, right? But a team like Iowa, they're going to be 7-5 and five every year, 8-4 and four ceiling, any given year in the new Big Ten. And they're, happy with, and they're happy with it. And for me, I'm not happy, dude. I want to win. I want to compete. I, I wish to at least try. Even oh. Minnesota, even Minnesota, as much as we make fun of them, I have yeah. to respect the fact that PJ Fleck is like, they're trying. Right. You know what I mean? I, I, honestly, like, Iowa doesn't try. I mean, as a state, as a people, as a culture, they don't <laughs> try. Like, they don't, dude. They're those boring people. I, I, they're, 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 they, the people are as bland as their offense. I mean that sincerely, dude. Oh, God, I just... Oh. I hope we don't have any Iowa listeners. I don't there think are, we no, That's the if thing. I'm not worried. Are... I'm not worried. Have you ever seen an Iowa fan in CFB court? Have you ever seen the Iowa fan? Like, like... Uh, on, I have not. Like, and and want to know why? What do you think Iowa fans do in their free time? I would imagine the average Iowa fan is very similar to, like, the average semi-rural Wisconsinite where they drink in their basement. Yes, but without, like... <laughs> But it's like without the Packers. The Packers. That's the thing. They have no sports teams, really. I mean, like, they don't. Like, like the Hawkeyes are kind of the thing, right? So is Iowa basically rural Wisconsin without the Packers? They're like the rural parts of Wisconsin, but like extended. Like the, the reality is of Wisconsin, dude. Like, go look at a map of Wisconsin, right? There's a triangle between Madison, Green Bay, and Milwaukee. Okay, and it's it's kind of a small area, really, of the state. 
Like 90% of Wisconsin lives in this triangle. Madison, Green Bay, Milwaukee. It's those three cities, right? That's all you really ever hear about in Wisconsin, okay? But beyond that, to the north and to the west of Wisconsin is just like pure rural, like Farmville. Like there, there could be nothing for like dozens of miles, but like fields of corn, right? Iowa is that, but extended. Like there's more of that. There's all of that, right? And they have no, there is no Milwaukee. In Iowa, right? There, there is no, there, there is no like place for people. So wait, live. you don't think Des Moines is a really great no, bustling like, city? They don't get like, like, like bands don't go to Iowa, right? Like they, like events don't happen in 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 Iowa, right? I, I'm not saying Wisconsin is you know New York City or something, right? But like we have things to do here, man. I'm telling you, uh, and, and, but but Iowa, dude, it's just corn, and and they take pride in that. They do take pride in that. This is an all-time rant, dude. I, I, I had to go off. I had to go off on him, dude. I had well, to... you can take, listen, you can take solace in the fact that both you and Iowa basically decide every presidential election. So, it there you go. Feels great. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I would say I would say it's time to move on a little bit, but you still need to give your This Was Their Super Bowl okay, award. If I, if I can't give that, uh, I guess I have to give a different one. So, I suppose if I had to pick a team that won their Super Bowl this week, um, this might be a stretch to say, but I'm going to say it. I think Washington may have won their Super Bowl. What I mean by that is I think they've kind of peaked in a way. Um, I think Oregon's going to get the last laugh. I think Oregon's going to win out, beat Washington, make the playoffs, and Washington's going to be stuck you know, on the outside looking in. And, I mean, all credit where it's due, Washington looks really good. I just think Oregon's slightly better. And I know Oregon just lost, but it was on the road, dude. It was on the road. I think if that game was played in Oregon, it'd be a different story. I kind of I, like I, said, I kind of agree with you because, like I said, I looked at the statistics, and Oregon really outplayed Washington. Yeah. Obviously, you can't just ignore the final score, but they're probably going to rematch. And Oregon's going to know exactly what to do differently, and they're not going to have this massive home field advantage. I was actually very impressed by the Washington crowd and the home field advantage they had. You know they impacted the game. Oh, it absolutely does in, in, in a big game like that. And, and that's what I mean by it's Ruble, dude. I mean, they, they stormed the field after the game. You know, I mean, the game day was there in the morning, right? Huge crowd, huge turnout. And, like, hey, props to them for showing up and having fun, right? But, like, I think they peaked. I think that was their Ruble. So they get the award. There you go. All right. So now we're going to move up to move on to another couple segments. This one is called Cinderella. Your time is up. Okay. So there's only four teams that I have on this list that I'm just going to briefly mention. We're going to first talk about Louisville. Louisville, dog. How are y'all going to beat Notre Dame like that and then lose to a one-win team? They were sus the whole time. We tried to warn everyone. We tried, but I'm, I'm surprised they lost to Pittsburgh of all teams. I knew they were going to lose, but to Pitt. Like really, <laughs> it's by a pit by like three touchdowns. Yeah, it, too. it was so embarrassing. Yeah. They they act like how do teams get this full of themselves? Teams that have never had the success get this full of themselves and assume it's ridiculous. You know they're gonna win games. It's like come on, man. So sad. All right, Washington State. They were kind of a Cinderella, but their their like, chances are officially like, done. Like again, blown up, like really blown up by Arizona, a team that like everyone's not really been talking about at all. Um, I like again. I'm not surprised Washington State lost again. I, I never thought they were legit, really, all that much to begin with. But like, I am honestly kind of shocked that they lost by that much to Arizona. They've lost two in a row now. I mean, they were on my um, watch list because they did have a big win against Oregon State, and they, Wisconsin. you know, beat Wisconsin. Okay, not not that <laughs> impressive a win in, in hindsight. So, <laughs> and to keep it in the Pac-12, also UCLA, your time is up. Yeah. Um, they just haven't. They have a freshman quarterback. He did freshman quarterback things. It's just. It is what it is. It's just not the year. Pac twelve is starting. We're starting to see the cannibalization in action. We are. That'd be, that'd be kind of expected. The Pac twelve. Yeah. Uh, Miami, your time is up. Thing with Miami is, I still wanted to give them the benefit of the doubt and say, hey, maybe you know they do control their own destiny. Maybe they can pull it together. Mm -hmm. And to be fair, their game against North Carolina yep. wasn't like the worst game they could have ever played. North out. Carolina is just better. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the thing. Like credit where it's due. North Carolina is, is is shockingly legit this year. I don't think anyone expects North Carolina to be six zero at this point, but 
they they control their own destiny, man. And uh, and Tez Walker, yeah, Devontae Walker, he just got just became eligible. Yeah. Um. Did he play? And let's see, he did, and he got three touchdowns. Seriously? Okay, I, I that's impressive. <laughs> So no, that's go. what I'm saying. He's going to be a difference maker, especially as he kind of gets working yeah, for the offense. Yeah, like, like UNC is good, but like if they can get even better, I mean, they they could have a shot as like a legit Cinderella this year. So yeah, very much so. Um, the ACC is going to be a very interesting race. Uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, so now we're going to do Cinderella. Introduce yourself. Oh boy! And basically, we're gonna I'm going to frame this in the context of do they have a legitimate shot? Um, each Power Five conference. A conference does have a legitimate Cinderella or two, mm-hmm. which is really actually rare at this point in the season. Usually, usually you can tell which conferences conference Cinderellas are just kind of out. Like not all of them are still alive at this point. You know what I mean? Right. I and I know we just spent like an hour clowning on them, so we'll start with the Big Ten. Technically, Iowa is still a Cinderella. They only have one loss, dude. They're, you know, they're, what they're happens? going to be what? eleven and one, obviously heading into the Big Ten championship. The thing is, like, they're going—they legitimately are going to lose by fifty to Michigan or Ohio State or Penn State. Like, it like is, well, they already did almost lose by fifty to Penn State. So it's good. Uh, no, I mean they—they're going to lose so bad that despite <laughs> being eleven and one, they're not going to make a New York six. Like, Oof! I, I'm like they're probably being an Outback Bowl team because like there are two other deserving Big Ten teams that should get in before them into a legit bowl game. So no, and, and they're probably going to lose their bowl game too. I should add. Like I hope they play like a kind of mediocre SEC team in in in, in and a just get the one out. Yeah, dude, I want to see like South Carolina just destroy them. Like that'd be fun. I remember that time that they everybody in 2015 everybody yes. talked about an undefeated Iowa, and they were so fraudulent oh, the whole time. God. And you you just got so much hate if you dared to point out their yeah. flaws, their fraudulence. And then they proceed to get destroyed by Stanford, and it made yeah. me feel so good. No, one of my all-time favorite blowouts. Honestly, I remember that game vividly. So. Because they would brag about, well, we don't play an FCS team. Instead, we play North Texas because we're not <laughs> afraid of we're not afraid of FBS teams. <laughs> Stuff like that. And it's like, dog, it's a North Texas lost to an FCS team by seventy seven points that year. Yeah. I remember looking that up and being mad, and I'm still mad. And again, they they never ever like they literally they take pride in not playing out of conference P five opponents besides Iowa State. And if Iowa State is your one P5 opponent every year, I mean, come on. Come on. Come on. I I can tell Iowa, it's it's very obvious Iowa is the team we've chosen to just rant and hate on this whole episode. I love this. I love that this has become a theme. All right, so we're going to move on to the SEC's Cinderella's, which is going to be Missouri and Tennessee. Both one-loss teams. They both, I mean, they're going to play each other, obviously, and they still have to play Georgia, who, news alert, Brock Bowers is out for four to six weeks. Yeah, also, I, Tennessee does play Alabama this week. It's not going to make a difference. Like, let's like let's be real for a moment. I think Missouri's kind be of hopeful. a fun story. Be, be hopeful for a moment. No, Missouri's kind of a fun story because it's Missouri, right? But, like, the reality is they're going to play Georgia in a couple weeks, followed by Tennessee. And if they're lucky, they'll finish the year 9-3, and three, you know? Um, and as far as Tennessee goes, dude, like it's the same thing. Like, yeah, you know, six and one or five and one so far this season. That's pretty solid, right? But they play at Bama this week. Like, the, the trains are going off the tracks, folks. Like, the story will end very soon for both teams. I know it's just fun to talk about. We're going <laughs> to an actual. I think on the ACC we have Duke and North Carolina Actually, who are yes. going to play each other, yeah. and I feel like they have an actual more realistic shot at a Cinderella. They're not technically still in it. Yeah. It's more they have an actual shot. Yeah. Um, the ACC scheduling because they're not doing like divisions this year. I think yeah. they have the the whole. It's going to be a mess based on how they try to schedule the conference championship game. Because here's the thing about Louisville. Obviously, that pit game was embarrassing, but Louisville avoids playing Florida State, they avoid playing Duke, and they avoid playing North Carolina, who are the other three one-loss teams right now yeah. trying to fight for that ACC championship spot. The ACC is going to take the top two teams in the conference, so Louisville has a way to kind of sneak into that spot. So it's going to be really between Duke, North Carolina, and Florida State. For me, though, I, I think just look, if, if we're going off of like legit Cinderella chances here, I think North Carolina is your best bet. Uh, North Carolina doesn't play Florida State in the regular season. Um, in fact, their toughest test is going to be against Duke 
in a couple of weeks. Um, there's a very, very real chance that North Carolina goes 12-0, right? And if, if I, I know it's UNC, I know they don't have like the big, you know, blue blood brand status, at least in football, right, compared to other teams. But like a 12-0 ACC champ, UNC makes the playoffs, right? And, and, and rightfully so in my mind. So I, I think so far they're the most legit Cinderella really across all of college football this year. I think I think they have a, a very real chance of making it this year. Right. So and now with the Pac twelve, we have two. We have Oregon State and Utah. Oregon State I'm popping up a little bit now more because they have beaten Utah and they just beat UCLA pretty convincingly. And they have like a legitimately good team. Great offensive line. They have DJU. Good defense, and they also I like the style of football they play, where they play just straight up power eye under center football, which you don't see a lot of these days. But they do that, and they do it well. Uh, I, I I think they're a good team, but man, the Pac-12 is just too stacked this year, man. Like between Oregon and Washington, I, I have a really hard time seeing them come on. Their last two games are versus Washington, and then at Oregon. That's yeah, that's rough. That's brutal. So, um, but I mean, hey, they'll probably end up in a decent bowl game. And you know, probably finish ranked. So, in my mind, that's a pretty good takeaway for Oregon State, who's not even going to be a P5 team next year. And also with Utah, Utah also has to play Oregon and Washington, and they play USC this coming up week. The close with Colorado and Arizona. That's also really rough. And we still don't know what the status uh, status is of Cam Rising, who's been out basically the whole year. I mean, that's the thing. I think if if they had Cam Rising from the get go, it it probably would be a different story. But it just feels like this team. You know, compared to last year, the team that won the Pac-12, it's they're really not in the same category in my mind. Okay, real talk. This year, is the Pac-12 the best conference? Yeah, overall, yeah, I would say. I'd have to agree. I hate to agree, but I do agree. It just in terms of depth, right. yeah, they are. Yeah. Big 12, Big 12 Cinderella, you have Texas. Um, yeah, I'm still kind of riding the Texas hype train. Um, it's another situation where, like, yeah, they lost a game, but it was so close, man. Against a good team, against Oklahoma, they're going to play Oklahoma again in the pack in the in the, in the Big Twelve Championship. I think I I don't know, man. I still have faith in Texas. I, I I haven't lost I haven't lost faith yet at this point. The Big Twelve is such an odd conference because, like, how Iowa State <laughs> is three and one in conference right now. Like, what? It's, it, the truth is the Big 12 is really weak right now because they added four G5 teams. And if you look at the, the standings right now, Cincinnati, UCF, Baylor, Houston, BYU are the bottom five teams. So four yeah. of the bottom five teams are their additions. And like these are just, frankly, these are just free wins for everyone else. And I'm glad this is happening because UCF and Cincinnati and BYU and Houston are not bad teams. But I hate how people use one-off one-off games from a G5 team versus a Power 5 team, call Huggies, as some kind of like undeniable proof that right. G5 a G5 team is better because they played this one game in this one-off and, scenario. Like People did that with UCF in 2017. But here's the thing. There's a big difference between playing a one-off game and playing a season full of Power 5 teams where it just wears you down over the course of the season. Anybody can get up for a one-off game if you have kind of – technical lesser talent and depth. Anybody can get up for that one-off game and game plan for that one game. It's yeah. the brutal season-long schedule that really gets you. Is, and this is being – I'm being proven right here. So you I'm are. Happy. You are. You should glow. I'll say this. I mean, theoretically, right, BYU, Houston, UCF, Cincinnati, these four teams will get better over time now that they have, like, a P5 budget and P5, you know, like, uh, media – uh, advertising them, right? Like, give it time. They'll be legit, I think. But these are just growing pains, dude. These are growing pains I think you'll you'll often find when a G5 school joins a P5 uh, conference. So, not too surprised. Very true. All right, so without further ado, we are now moving on to the mailbag. All right, so what I asked this week for the mailbag was... Which conference, power conference, is, with an S in parentheses, mm-hmm. uh, do you think it's left out of the playoff this year? So, without further ado, T-Man, SEC, when they continue choking, and in parentheses, they suck. Seriously, though. NCC, if slash when, Florida State, North Carolina, choke, Big 12, if Oklahoma loses. It's a lot to digest. Uh, thanks for the contribution here. I, I think I agree with him on the ECC in, in the sense that if Florida State and UNC choke, they're not going to get the wiggle room that like other conferences are having. 
You know what I mean? Like, if, if it comes down like a one-loss champion in every, you know, Power 5 conference, I could see the ACC. Agree. 100% agree. They're going to be the last on the totem pole, the bottom of the totem pole when it comes to one-loss conference champions. Yeah. I, I think I disagree with the Big 12 if OU loses, only because I could see, like, I could see a 12-1 and OU getting in. But then again, Texas, Texas would get in. 12-1 Texas. Yeah, 12-1 Texas, Texas would get in. 12-1 Texas would, would get in. They'd probably get in, yeah. So I, I don't know if I agree with that. Unless, of course, like every other conference was undefeated, which is, it's crazy to think that like this time of the year, that is a possibility. Like it's possible we could have five undefeated P5 teams. That'd be just complete chaos <laughs> for the playoff committee, but right. it could happen. All right. So now, now we have Bama side up, ACC, any other answer is cope. I have to agree. <laughs> I guess I am kind of cool. I think we. I think the point was made pretty well with what we just talked about with Team Man's answer. Like it's yeah. just, it's just reality at this point. But let's see what people um, want to say because we got a lot of different responses. It seems. Um, we did. We did. Okay. Uh, Bro, answered basic B answer, but Pac-12. Yeah. Just another year of the cannibalism corner. Nobody gets out alive. I disagree wow. because, because the Pac-12 actually gets some respect from the East Coast, like. When the Pac-12 is legitimately good, they'll get a little bit of respect. Like, even Paul Feinbaum is out here saying the Pac-12 is the best Power 5 conference right now. Like, we we, we don't have, like, East Coast bias in the way they think we have it. I, I agree with you. I, I will say the Pac-12 is getting a lot more respect this year compared to other years. But I, to Brodown's point, the cannibalism factor, the Pac-12 is kind of known for this. And you look at these schedules, dude, in the last few weeks, all these good teams play each other. Right, like that is it's true. entirely possible that the Pac-12 could just like have every team have two losses. You know, even even if it is the best conference overall, like they just eat themselves alive, right? So and I, the, I could see and the committee has also shown that they will they would much rather put in a one-loss non-conference champion over a two-loss conference champion oh, yeah, for whatever for reason. Sure. For sure. So yeah, that's a good. I mean, it's a good. All point. right. Soro says the Big 12 will not send a team to the last four team college football playoff. With the Pac 12 ceasing to exist, the Big 12 is taking on their role of the Cannibal Conference. <laughs> but, like, who's cannibalizing who, though? Like, I really think it's just OU and Texas at this point. Like, those are really the only two serious teams in the Big 12 right now. I was going to say, these are some, uh, the Cannibals are a little bit weaker now. I think the Cannibal Conference will probably be actually the torch will get past the ACC. Yeah, I think so too. With it, with Clemson kind of being down at this point and it kind of being up for grabs, I, I think there's going to be this vibe for power and just good teams beating themselves <laughs> in conference play. Right. From Banana Joe, he says, the Pac-12 because of cannibalism. There you go. I, I buy the yeah, cannibalism argument. I, I kind of buy it. I buy it. The more I think about it. <laughs> All right, from Larry. It will be fun when Texas beats Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship and Oregon beats Washington Washington in the Pac-12 championship. Yep. And there's also either undefeated or one loss, Michigan oh slash Ohio God. State. And it seems like North Carolina <laughs> hanging out at the end of the Dude, year. All of a sudden, bring up the SEC and this is still a crazy like possibility, real possibility. I mean, both of us, I think at this point, right, both of us kind of believe that Texas is going to win the Big 12 and Oregon's gonna be Washington still, like, still in the Pac-12 championship, right? Like, is this is this true? Right. Is this canon? Yeah, I mean, that's both what both of us believe at this point. If that happens, I mean, this is a good point from Larry. Like, that is gonna bring into so many questions, just like the order of operations here, especially when you factor in like Michigan and Ohio State, and I'll throw in Penn State into the mix too. I mean, God, I, I we've got our work cut out for us, dude. If 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 this actually happens, I don't know who you pick at that point. It's someone's gonna be left out ultimately. Yep. All right, from Axe, we have Pac-12, because Utah will screw over the entire conference again. Awesome. They are known for doing that. Yeah. On a real note, probably ACC. I could see Florida State losing a game to Duke or North Carolina losing to them as well. Mm-hmm. And if any of the conferences that would have a Walmart conference, uh, conference champion, the ACC would be the weakest. And let's be real, would the College Football Playoff Committee really leave a one-last Bama or Georgia SEC champion? Over a one last yeah. SEC champion. I mean, that's the point you were right. making earlier. Yeah, it's just it's, I think the perception of the ACC is is it's weak this year. Even if that's not necessarily true, like it's obviously kind of hard to tell, right? We, we don't have a huge sample size of auto conference games, but that is that that is kind of the notion this year. And I think it's I think it's largely because Clemson's down. It's kind of my theory. Clemson's yep. bad, so people think the ACC is bad. To be fair, the ACC is a little bit weaker, but you know. But like um, by that much, I don't know. I don't know. I get it, though. I get it. 
from DK SEC because Georgia won't make it without Bowers wow. and Alabama will lose another game because their offense wow. is incompetent. I wish, dude. I, I, I'll say this. <laughs> There's the thing about Bowers. Georgia not having Bowers, like, they're just going to have out some wins versus these teams. But like, what, they just will. What happens, though? You just know they will. This is, this is like, a non-zero chance. Like, what if Alabama does drop one more game? Like, you have to admit, and, there have been some close games, right? Alabama drops one game in conference, but wins the SEC. What happens? What would they do? Like, would they put us in over a one-loss ACC champion? I don't I, think so. But, like, but Georgia's I, also only got one loss. They've, they've led in conference losers before. Dude. Man, so far, to, to date, no two-loss team has ever made the college football playoffs. So... There's no precedent for it. Who knows what would happen? I I don't know if the playoff expanding kind of changed, if their mindset of who they pick is already kind of changing kind of thing. I don't know. I don't know. Dude, uh, from Saxo Steve, both the ACC and the Big 12 will miss the playoffs. Those conferences will cannibalize themselves wow. and knock themselves out so that two Big Ten East, two Big Ten East teams get in. I can see it. I will say, I mean, I'm, I'm biased, but if there would be a, a conference with two teams this year, it has to be the Big Ten at this point just because – they're the only conference with three undefeated teams thus far. I think, yeah, it's it's because it's it, the ACC. The Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan triangle yeah, is going to The ACC has UNC strong. and Florida State right now at undefeated. But, like, again, the perception is kind of lukewarm. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I agree, though. Like, if – I'll say this, Saxon Steve, great point, by the way. Um, if there is tons of cannibalism, I do think the Big Ten would get the, the two-team nod this year. But – I, I don't. I, I guess I, I'm hearing a lot of cannibalism arguments this episode. I don't, I just don't know if I see it. I don't know if I see it this year. What do you think, Randy? Do you think these these conferences cannibalize themselves? I could see, yes, but yes, but I don't think it's going to matter. Um, in most years, it would matter a lot more. But given that there's a lot more parity in the sport this year, I think it matters less. Interesting. It's because be cannibalized man. teams are more likely to have a shot to get in. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it really feels like in all the years of the playoff now, which it's been almost a decade, hard to believe, I, I feel like at this point of the season, it is, like, completely up for grabs. Like, I don't think I've ever seen the playoff picture look this hazy <laughs> at this time of the year, you know? Like, halfway through the season, right. we have no idea who in every conference is going to be the representative. It's just not Exactly. Sad. Just not. All right, so now we are going to move on to the Week 8 preview. And this, actually, this was not planned at all, but Saxo Steve's question being the last question, rolling into the first preview that I'm going to kind of bring up is actually a perfect transition because literally I have written on our little document that we use every episode, number 7, 6-0, Penn State, at number 3, 6-0, Ohio State. And the question I literally have, Jimbo can back me up with this, in italics is... Is this the most important regular season game of the Big Ten, more so than Ohio State-Michigan because of the playoff situation? You know, it, it just might be. And, and why it might be in my mind is because I, I really believe Penn State is, like, extremely legitimate. I think Penn State is a playoff contender. And if they can win this game at Ohio State, it, it instantly changes kind of the narrative uh, a, a little bit in the Big Ten. It drops Ohio State down a notch, which we really haven't seen ever. Um, and, and, yeah, I think the only way the Big Ten would get into teams is if undefeated Ohio State loses to undefeated Michigan. I think if Penn State beats Ohio State, it's not going to happen. Like, there wouldn't be that chance of there being two Big Ten teams getting in, if that makes any sense at all. Uh, I'm just... I think it more matters on the extent of other conferences cannibalizing themselves. And again, I think the committee is really going to look at eye tests on a lot of these things. Yeah. And when I say look at eye tests, they are literally probably not going to look at more than the final box score, the final score of some yeah. of these games with some of these more cannibalized teams that might be one or two loss. Yeah, you got one to, determine, yeah. to determine if like a one-loss non-Big Ten East division winner um, <laughs> is able to kind of jump them, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, it, I mean, this is the game of the week, though. I'll say, as far as this game goes, I mean, I am really looking forward to this one. I think it, 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 you just know it's going to be a good game, like, from a neutral perspective. Um, exactly. So, yeah, one of the two big, well, I guess one of the three big Big Ten games this year. This is kind of like the Big Ten Championship, but for real. So, uh, <laughs> definitely watch this one if you can. <laughs> All right. 
Number 17, 5 and 1 Tennessee at number 11, 6 and 1 Alabama. Both teams started off the season kind of on the weaker side, but both teams have improved. Has one team improved more than the other since the beginning of the season? Yeah, it's Alabama. Come on. Come on. Come on. I'm kind of glad that this is a home game. I I mean, they're Five and one team. They beat the same team we just they beat, except by one more point. Oh my god! They so beat we. More, They barely. They beat A and M by more than you. Oh my god! I didn't realize that. But that changes everything. To be fair, that was a home game for Tennessee, and we played at A and M. I get that. I and mean, we didn't have the benefit of playing A and M after their heart was ripped out. The difference this year is that Tennessee doesn't have a fifth-year, sixth-year senior quarterback. They do. Home. They actually do. That's the thing. Well, it's not the same. Joel Milton's not a it's, good quarterback. Oh. <laughs> I'm not going to be the one to say that. But I was looking at his Wikipedia earlier, and how do they have freaking college players? Like, he has an NFL, like, NFL team list season length of franchise. He has three years with Michigan where he played in multiple games, yeah. then three years with Tennessee. That's an NFL-level wiki, right? frankly, yeah. Career, yeah, in college. So it's like, come on, man. The good news is, I guess for us, is that it doesn't look like that experience has really no, paid off for him. I mean, really. given, but hey, we're Alabama and quarterbacks like him randomly have the game of their life against us. It's you just prone to. to happen. You need to, to beat Alabama. But I, I don't know. Like, to me, it's just the kind of thing where, like you were saying, like, if this was at Tennessee again, yeah, you know, I could humor the idea of it being kind of close in the third quarter. But let's be real. I, I think Alabama, this being a rivalry game, I know Alabama's been kind of lukewarm this year. They've been kind of, you know, kind of dry at times, right? I think this being a rivalry game at home, your guys are going to come out swing and, and play hard and, and play to their potential and probably win by, like, 35 points. Like that's We crazy. know how big of a game this is. We that's don't have to, like, be yeah. told. They, they know how big it is. I mean, I really do trust our defense. I will trust our defense with my life. Yep. I feel like... Uh, Joe Milton, if we can get some pressure on him, then I think we'll be fine, and I think we can get some pressure on him. So, I, I mean, it's going to be a nerve-wracking game for sure. Should be fun. All right. Number 16, 5-1 Duke at number 4, 6-0 Florida State. Is Cinderella's time at the dance over? It depends on who is the Cinderella here. I'm assuming Duke is who you're talking Duke about. Duke is the Cinderella. Yeah, it's going to end. Um, Duke's a fun story, but, like, Florida State... Is kind of legit. They're not super legit, but they're they're a little bit legit. They're legit enough to beat Duke at home. Florida State was tested early and have proven how good they are. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Duke has a good, really good defense. I'll be curious to see what it looks like against Florida State. I think the fact that it's at Florida State's going to be a bigger right. deal than people imagine. Right. I totally agree. And it's a night game too. I mean, they're just going to be going oh. oh constantly you can it's like you can oh, dude sub out florida state at night i gotta give them credit like that seems like an intimidating place to play i don't know it's 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 a fun it's a it fun is an intimidating place it's a fun venue and like these Duke um, nerds i mean they're not gonna have a chance man not gonna have a chance oof rough i'll say it all right number 14 five and one utah at number 18 six and one usc Will USC get re 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 exposed for the so fourth I, time this season? I think we're going to disagree on this one, Randy. Call it a hunch, but I hate to say this because I'm one of Caleb Williams' biggest haters. Oh, but no. this game being at home, this game being in a conference game, by the way, USC lost out of conference. This game being the kind of thing where Caleb Williams wants to show to the world that he is cool and good and talented. I think they're going to play well. I think USC is actually going to be kind of serious in this game serious in a way that they weren't against Notre Dame and I think Utah just they're not they're not quite as talented as Notre Dame and won't be able to actually shut them down for four quarters that's my take uh so you actually have convinced me wow you convinced me I know you convinced me live because I'm going to change my lock of the week, oh which God. I had written down, which I'm sure you see in the document. I do. My lock of the week is now changing. Penn State is going to beat Ohio State at Ohio State this week. I get exactly what you're saying about this. Like this is going to be the game where Caleb Williams wants to look cool. Yeah. This is going to be a good rebound bounce back game. Like, yeah. let's face it, USC doesn't feel the pressure of needing to go to the college football playoff. They really, I just. They just don't have that pressure for whatever reason. They just don't. You can just tell. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know. It's it's weird. Like Caleb Williams, he wants to look cool and he's gonna want to look good and he's gonna ball out. But he can do and that, that against home for USC. Yeah, he can do that. And he can do that against Utah. Utah. Yeah, but not not Notre Dame, who really you could tell came to play. You know Utah's I mean? a tough. Utah's a very tough team, but I just I know what you mean. And they're yeah. gonna they don't like Utah. They have like this weird kind of quasi rivalry <laughs> thing yeah. going on. Well, yeah, I think Utah's lifestyle, let's just say, is is very at odds with. USC's, and I think they take that personally there for some reason. So, for some reason, yeah, it should be fun. Um, you gave your lock of the week here, Randy. I got to give mine in a game that we haven't talked about yet, and I, I, I can't believe I'm doing this. This is going to be actually kind of a historic moment, perhaps in, in Jim Podcast history. But I'm giving my lock of the week a, a game that I hope happens in my favor. Minnesota defeats Iowa on the road. That's right, folks. Minnesota versus Iowa, two of my most hated teams, as you know. The thing is, I can't believe I'm saying this, um, I want Minnesota to win. I, I want them to win because if there's one thing I hate more than rivals and, and just kind of, you know, the Gophers in general, it's frauds. I hate frauds. Iowa are frauds, as we've established this episode. Right, Randy? We've established this. Okay. Right, we have established this. Iowa lets teams beat themselves, and I hate to say this so much. It kills me to say this. As much as I hate P.J. Fluke, as much as I hate the Gophers of Minnesota, Minnesota is the kind of team that really doesn't beat itself. You are right. I have noticed that about them. It's not that they beat themselves. It's that they just aren't Talented capable or, of yeah, taking a win. Yeah, yeah. They're like one of the least penalized teams in the nation. They might be like number three or something like that, right? And the, Iowa relies on teams, again, like throwing picks, fumbling the ball, you know, like, like uh, you know, uh, whiffing the kick, you know. Minnesota, they're the kind of team that they, they win from being disciplined and they lose because, you know, their offense just kind of can't get up, kept going off the ground. Minnesota's going to have no problem shutting down Iowa's, uh, Iowa's offense. Like, we know this, right? Like, Iowa's not going to score a touchdown that whole game. Minnesota just needs, like, three good drives. They need, like, three field goals, and they win the game. So give me the Gophers, dude. Probably winning, like, 9-6. to six. It's going to be the Big Ten game of the year. I can't wait. I just, I could see it. I hate that I could see it. Yeah. I don't actually hate it. I don't hate Minnesota. Well, I do. You should. I mean, you you you've shown me the light a bit about why I shouldn't like them. So a fun fact about this game: the over under. Do you want to take a guess, Randy? <laughs> Go ahead. It's got to be under like thirty. Thirty-two point five. Oh my goodness! I so that. fun yeah. fact: I was I was at my parents' camper tailgating uh, last weekend, and my mom straight up asked me, "Why does Jimbo hate Minnesota so much?" <laughs> do you want to know? Is this like I do? Minnesota? Go ahead. This is your this is your opportunity. Um, so like PJ Fleck plays a really big role in this. So like, I mean, we've, we've gone to, we've, we've gone, you know, talked at, at odds about how much we hate PJ Fleck and how he's like a fraud and, you know, he's like a, a snake oil salesman. Okay. Like, so there's like that aspect of it. Right. But consider like this, right. PJ Fleck is, is a con man. Minnesota fans fall for that con man. Right. Like Gophers fans are the kind of people who believe that crap and, and buy the snake oil. Um, and, and, and it's that reason that I really, really, really hate them, right? Because they actually buy this crap and actually believe that they're rowing the boat. You know, we're rowing the boat, guys. And we're, we're I just, I can't, they're so gullible. They're so gullible as people. And they're really casual. Like, they're the most hardcore casual fans you can imagine. Does that make any sense, Randy? Hardcore casual Hardcore casual. I kind of see it where they, if they lose a game, they're going to be like, oh, ha, yeah. ha, oh, shucks. Yeah. Well, but if they sports. have a chance at winning, they're going to act like the most hardcore yeah. fans until it doesn't suit them. Like, take the losses to the chin, bud. I do it most weeks. You know, you, you can't just dip out because you lost, right? But that's what they do. And should they lose to Iowa this week, three and four Minnesota fans ain't going to be around, boys. They're going to be they're going to be quiet. They're not going to be chirping anywhere. But if they win, it's going to be row the boat. I believe. I never stop believing in PJ. We're going to row all the way to the Big Ten Championship. Just just stop it, dude. Just just come back down to earth for one moment. So there you go. That's why I hate him. All right. Um, I believe that's all we have for this episode. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks again for the mailbag. Uh, Randy, I appreciate the question, by the way. Kind of a fun mailbag question this, this week. Um, oh, yeah? And it should be a really fun week. Again, we're – dude – Halfway through the season officially, we're getting to the point now where these games are having a lot of weight, man. And we're going to determine kind of the fate of the playoff here in the coming weeks. So I can't wait to find out who wins. But until then, folks, 
Thanks again for listening to the Gym Podcast. And as always, rule time. On Wisconsin. <laughs>